Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show, folks. Today's episode is on a topic that I know is going to resonate with so many of you. We are talking about mold and specifically the mold that may be hiding in your house and making you and your family feel either downright sick or just not quite right and without anybody really knowing or understanding why. My guest story is exactly this story. His name is Jason Earl, and he grew up in a moldy house, and he really didn't figure this out until much later in his life when he was really trying to get to the bottom of all of these allergies and um, asthma that he'd been suffering from for most of his life. This prompted him and inspired him in 2002 to leave his successful Wall Street career behind and to start this healthy home company called 1-800-GOT-MOLD. And I mean, there's no question about how to find this guy. <laughs> it's pretty simple. It's The website is gotmold.com and you can call 1-800-GOT-MOLD and they will help you to hack your problems away. They have a directory of mold inspectors. And in the podcast, we talk about, well, we talk about mold. We talk about how you can tell that you have mold. We talk about the different types of mold. We also talk about finding the right person to help you figure this out. One of the points that Jason makes, and I think is so important is that you want to separate the person who's finding the mold in your house from the people who are going to fix the mold in your house. And he makes a pretty compelling argument for this. So lots and lots of great information in this podcast. Once again, if you are looking for more assistance and more information, it's 1-800-GOT-MOLD. And he's also created a special landing page just for you guys, just for the listeners. It's www.gotmold dot com forward slash B like biohacking S like superhuman and P like performance. So www.gotmold.com forward slash BSP. And you will find resources there. And you can also use discount code NAT10 and save 10% off your very own Got Mold kit if this is something that you think you want to investigate in your own home. And the kits are really reasonably priced. So it kind of takes one of the big obstacles in hunting down this problem in your own home if you're not sure that you quite have it. So anyway, there's a ton of great resources on the 1-800-GOT-MOLD site or gotmold.com site. So I invite you to check it out. In the meantime, if you're looking to connect with me, you can do so through my website, which is natnidham.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Natalie Nidham. And of course, you can find me on Facebook in my Facebook community called Optimizing Superhuman Performance. Thank you so much for being here, you guys. I really appreciate you. And as always, if you get value from this episode, or if you know someone else who can benefit from the information in this episode, make sure that you forward them the link to the podcast and 
If you feel inspired, leave us a review because this is how we rise up the rankings. This is how we become more visible. And this is how we're able to help more people. So thank you. Thank you again for being here and enjoy the episode. Hey folks, just a quick second to thank our sponsor for this episode, Oxford HealthSpan, who make Primadine, the only spermidine supplement that I personally use and recommend to my clients and family. Spermidine has earned a permanent spot on my longevity stack. It has been shown to positively affect six of the nine hallmarks of aging, including protection of DNA, as well as proper folding of proteins. That's just two of the six. In terms of visible results that people can expect to see after just one to three months, many users report better sleep, better hair, as well as better skin and nails. I choose Primadine because it is the only spermidine supplement on the market that is free of any additives or excipients while including a prebiotic to feed your own gut bacteria to make more of your own spermidine. To try Primadine for yourself, just go to primadine.com and use discount code BIONAT15 to save 15% off your purchase. And now let's get back to the episode. Hey folks, just a little bit of housekeeping before we launch into the episode. Please remember that all of the information provided in these podcasts is for information purposes only. We are never offering treatments, cures, whatever, for any kind of disease or medical condition. Anything you hear about here is going to be intriguing. There's some research around it, but make sure that you check with your medical provider before you go off and do any of this stuff for yourself. Welcome to the show, Jason. It is such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for having me, Annette. This is going to be great. We, of course, had our little warm-up conversation before we started recording, and I find those are always really fun. And someday I'm going to have to start recording those so that we can do like a little outtakes. So we are here today to talk about a big topic that I think can be very scary to a lot of people. It's a massive, and it seems to be a growing issue in the world, and that is we're going to talk about mold and talk about what it is, what the issues it presents are to people's health and what to do about it. But before we do that, I don't think you woke up one morning as a 10 year old and said, when I grow up, I'm going to be a mold expert. So <laughs> do you want to give us some insight into what brought you to be here today? <laughs> it, it is so true. I mean, you know, if you had told me 20 years ago, that's how long I've been doing this, uh, that I would be, you know, the CEO of 1-800-GOT-MOLD, uh, or the founder and CEO of Money Andrew Gumbold, I would have laughed out of the room. Uh, it would not have made sense to me. But, you know, that's life, right? In retrospect, it all makes sense. But looking, you know, we're very, very, very poor at predicting the future. And, um, you know, I, I, so, you know, but like most people in this space, by the way, you know, uh, I, I got into this for very personal reasons. I find that most people that are in this space that do great work also are. Um, and, and I mean that because this is a, there's no academic track for mold experts. Uh, yeah, there are mycologists, but I would argue that they don't know much about buildings. And there are building science experts, but oftentimes don't know much about the way uh, these things actually work. And then, of course, how to solve these issues and, and also all the nuances of dealing with the individual you know, human needs associated with those things. Right. Mm -hmm. so, um, so, so really, this is, this is something that I jumped into when I came to an awareness that my own childhood home was, was likely the underlying cause of my respiratory illness as a kid. So I'll, I'll rewind uh, for, 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 for everyone. Um, when I was about four years old, um, I lost a bunch of weight in a three week period, uh, my, about 30% um, in a, very rapidly. And I was also having a difficult time breathing. And my parents took me to the pediatrician who said, you need to take him to the hospital. 
Um, and so my parents brought me to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, which is a renowned respiratory uh, clinic. And so um, uh, their initial diagnosis based upon my family history and the symptoms I was presenting with was cystic fibrosis, um, wow. which was, of course, devastating. Uh, it was a death sentence back then. Um, and it hit close to home for my father, who lost four of his cousins uh, to CF before the age of 14. So, um, you know, he, he was they, they spent the next six weeks basically crying. I was their only child. Um, and uh, they had the second opinion came up. Uh, we went back to Children's Hospital. Uh, and they said, nope, good, good news. He does not have cystic fibrosis, um, evidenced by the fact that I sit here at 45 years old. Um, but rather, I had asthma compounded by pneumonia. And uh, I was uh, literally allergic to every single thing they tested me for. They put me in a papoose uh, with an open back. It's like a, a straight jacket for toddlers and then put all these antigens on my back. And I, I tested positive for every single thing. My dad said I looked like a ladybug uh, with a big red swollen back with dots all over it. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, it was, the list was long. Grass, wheat, corn, eggs, dogs, cats, cotton, clothing, sheets, um, you know, uh, soybeans. Uh, and I grew up on a small, non-working farm outside of Princeton, surrounded by grass, wheat, corn, eggs, oh dogs, cats, cotton, soybeans. And, and so I was literally awash in, 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 in these allergens and, uh, and irritants. And, uh, uh, but my parents both smoked. Uh, and, uh, and, and the house was, we didn't have hygiene. We had low gene. Uh, you know, the dogs and cats did what they wanted in the house. And it was just, it was a really, for, for in terms of indoor air quality, I could not have probably, they, they couldn't have anchored the darkness uh, more, more efficiently. It was just very, very, it was, it was not a healthy home. Um, and uh, so anyway, I spent most of my time outside and, and strangely felt better, even though I was exposed to all of these outdoor allergens. And when I was about 12 years old, fast forward, um, you know, I'd lived on inhalers most of my, uh, yeah, most of those uh, interim years. And uh, my folks split up, thankfully, and uh, moved out of the house. And uh, suddenly all my senses went away. And I never thought about it uh, again because it, my grandfather had grown out of his asthma. It was just very much written off as, you know, adolescent kind of, you know, it's very common with asthma anyway. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, so, so I just uh, moved on. Now, I, I ended up having a, pr a pretty crazy few years after that. My mom died suddenly of suicide. Uh, and uh, although it was not a surprise, it was sudden. And mm -hmm. uh, then I also got Lyme disease, or at least I was diagnosed with it. And then given the thermonuclear dose of antibiotics that was so common back in the early 90s, uh, it was 30 pills a day of Biaxin and some other stuff wow. uh, for three days and then three days off. So it was basically sick for three days, sleep for three days. Combination of those things caused me to lose, uh, miss a ton of school, end up dropping out of school. And for another podcast, another time, I can tell you how I ended up uh, you know, getting recruited out of the gas station where I was working and became a stockbroker at a very young age. <laughs> <laughs> that um, is worthy of it, another podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 and it was, it, it was just a wild story and, and it was a fairy tale. And I ended up uh, uh, get, becoming the youngest licensed stockbroker in history, actually at the age of 17, I had a Guinness world record. Um, and that in a dollar fifty deal by a half a slice of pizza in New York city these days. <laughs> but I did that for nine years, uh, had a great career. And then one day I woke up and I wasn't having fun anymore. Uh, I had really enjoyed it. Uh, I really loved wall street and I, and I, and I still enjoy the stock market very much. But I had lost faith because it was right around the time that the dot-com bubble had burst and, and the asset class had lost its luster for me. And so I decided one day to just leave. I just threw my stuff in a backpack uh, and, and so gave my, I walked away from, from everything. Um, I just was, I was, I knew I needed, there was a call and it was mostly driven by my mother's voice, actually, because she, she used to have me volunteer in the hospital where she was the director of nursing as a kid. Uh, and she very much uh, to her own detriment was, was a, was a, was a, a service oriented person. She, she gave to, 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 to a fault. 
uh, which ultimately was her demise. But the good part of that, the, the positive side of that, was that she had imbued that, 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 that philosophy into me, which was that if you improve the quality of other people's lives, it's natural law that your life will improve. And, and mm-hmm. I remember her saying, and, and, and it, it, that stuck with me. And as a stockbroker, the only people that benefited from my success were the people who owned the stores where I shop. Um, and, you know, there just wasn't. So I, I volunteered at Operation Smile and did some other international stuff, which really filled me up. And so I decided that I need to do something different. And actually, I know you're, 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 you're in Canada. I, I hopped on a train in New Jersey and went all the way across Canada on via rail. You're um, kidding. And I, that's no, a I heck of a journey. This, it was a <laughs> heck of a journey. It was, it was one of my favorite uh, journeys. I had a, a backpack with some CDs and a journal and Emerson's collected essays and some, you know, I was really, it was very scout, very minimalist. Um, and, uh, and I, and I went, you know, Winnipeg, Churchill, hung out with the polar bears. And yeah, went, yeah. Anyway, I made, made my, went all the way over and down to LA. And then I flew to Hawaii uh, and I hung out in Hawaii for a while. And while I was there, I was reading uh, some local uh, papers. And there was a story about a guy who'd gotten sick from the hotel where he was an employee. Um, and it was a, it, the building was shut down. turns out it was the biggest mold remediation project in history. Uh, the total damage was $55 million. And wow. uh, before the, before the dust had settled and the smoke had cleared, there were all these stories about people that got sick from the building. And this one stood out. Um, and it was, uh, he, he was 40 years old and he had suddenly developed adult onset asthma, something I'd never heard of before. And sensitivities to all these things that he was, he was fine with most of his life. And for me, it was a, like a light bulb uh, mm-hmm. went on. It was immediate. It was a deja vu moment kind of in a way. And I immediately thought, geez, I wonder if we had a mold problem at, at Old Trenton Road. In retrospect, I know very clearly we had a very serious mold problem, but I didn't have the where I didn't have the awareness at the time. So I called my father from a payphone, which probably isn't there anymore, and said, "Hey, <laughs> do you think we had a mold problem?" And he just laughed at me. He's like, "Of course, we had mushrooms. Why do you think we had mushrooms? Why, why do you ask? <laughs> we had mushrooms growing in the basement, you know? Like, well, of course we had mold." And he was just so flippant about it that I look back at that now. It's just that was the way our culture was. Mold, basement smelled like must. smelled like a basement. Yeah. It wasn't seen as a hazard. It wasn't yeah. seen as a, as, 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 a, as a potential health threat. Um, no. and, and so uh, it was just a thing. It was just what basements smelled like. Um, and, you know, we also happen to have, you know, all sorts of illnesses that are idiopathic. That nobody knows what the cause is. And so, you know, and so I, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, parse that out. But at the end of the day, um, the research is now showing that mold has a has an incredible impact on people's health. Uh, you know, behind food, which is the cause of, of most chronic illness, according to the CDC, air is a very close second. And some of the research that I'm putting together may show that air has a larger impact on your health than the food you eat, believe it or mm. not, on the short, medium and long term. Uh, and so but it's something that's hiding in plain sight right under your nose. And it's so and we're so literally in it. <laughs> we cannot literally, we are literally, it's, it's a law of familiarity, whatever you're exposed to long enough, you'll take for granted. And what can you, can you think of anything that you're exposed to more than your indoor air? No, no. Right. So no, especially so these in, days as people are locked in their houses. Yeah, totally. And COVID has brought awareness to this, which is, which is something I'm grateful for. Um, but I, I immediately became fascinated, not with mold. Of course, mold is very interesting. Uh, the more you look at it, the more you'll be interested in it. It's, it seems people, people uh, vilify it, but actually mold's just doing its thing, you know? Yeah. Um, mold, mold, mold actually it has, it is a messenger. And I'll get into that a little bit later. But the, uh, but the thing that really got me interested was how buildings impact people's health. And that still to this day fascinates me um, because, and the, the blind, the blind spots that we have fascinating mm-hmm. too. This thing about hiding in plain sight, this fast, this human psychology of, of, of being able to either willingly ignore 
or be completely blind to this thing and that we're in. This is our water, right? Like if we were a fish, this is water. Yes. And, 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 and yet we don't treat it like that. We treat it as if it's nothing, but yet it's filled with stuff and it's stuff that's either nourishing you or hurting you. It's no neutral. There's no neutral. It's either hurting you or helping you. Uh, and, and, and unlike the outdoor environments where you have no control, zero, mm-hmm. but we have disproportionately allocated resources to correcting this problem, which we can't fix because China and Russia and everyone else is going to do what they're going to do. Even if we fixed everything here and we became the cleanest country on the planet, we're still to deal with the rest of the polluters. And so we, but we have a disproportionate, again, we're farsighted. We'd like to think about those things and, and dedicate energy and efforts, which are wasteful. But we have a problem in our every single home and we're killing ourselves with VOCs and mold. And we have sole total control over that. Yeah. Uh, and so my argument is to redirect resources. What if we spend 90, 90% of our time indoors, maybe 90 in nice climates, 99 in Dubai, 99%. Right. And yet we're not talking about that. We're mm-hmm. talking about the outdoor environment. You talk to an environmentalist and they are outdoor environmentalists. Somebody who does environmental consulting, generally you don't talk about the indoor environment. That's yeah. weird. We're disproportionate. We're, we're missing the big, we're missing the biggest piece. And that was obvious to me 20 years ago. And that's what drove me into creating an inspection business where we use mold sniffing dogs uh, to find the hidden mold, which launched us into all sorts of, you know, we had lots of national uh, press from that. And then, uh, ultimately I realized that the inspection, inspection company I created 1-800-GOT-MOLD, uh, was creating it. It was, it was too expensive for most people. My own parents couldn't have afforded to hire, uh, me, you know, to to do an inspection. And, and, and that, 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 that didn't sit well. And so a a few years ago, we, uh, uh, put the resources together to create, um, a very high quality do-it-yourself test kit that allows people to collect their samples using the same devices we do professionally and professionals do all over the world, but without any of the cost or hassle of trying to find and hire a qualified professional. Uh, and we just made them publicly available at gotmold.com. So we're very excited about that. This is kind of like our, our way of bringing it, my way of bringing it full circle because you know what? My parents could have afforded to buy this and, and yeah. they, then they were forward thinking enough to have, they probably would have, um, you know, albeit, you know, they were smokers, but still, uh, and we don't have a lot of smokers, by the way. Yeah, the smoking thing's a bit tricky, but it's like, but people don't think, right? I mean, I I used to be married to a guy whose mother was a chain smoker and he had asthma. And it's interesting as a parent that you would, I mean, she finally, finally quit because, you know, babies came into the picture in the next generation and one of her you know, one of the young women that she loved, baby gave her an ultimatum. You want to see my kid quit smoking. And she did. And you know what? We, we, we've come a long way in our society. Yeah. 45% of the population smoked back in 1965. We're down uh, in the 10 to 15% range. If you include vaping, which is a little bit of, a, you know, the, the numbers are murky, but, but you know, what's disturbing about this is that in that same period of time, mortality associated with respiratory illness is up 30%. Interesting. And now, why is that? Is that pollution or? It, it, it's unclear. I just read a great book called Breathtaking uh, by Dr. Michael Stevens. I, I highly recommend it. Um, and it's, it's, he's a pulmonologist and, and he is a beautiful writer too. Um, and he, he goes into great length explaining that we have this rep, respiratory illness epidemic really. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, he, he, and, and, he, and he looks at all these different things and the whole time, believe it or not, in this entire book, and I sent him a letter after, after this, he doesn't talk about mold except for, for a moment. 
Um, and then what he's also missing is the thing that's really, I think, getting to us is VOCs. Uh, our, our, we have tighter and tighter buildings. And so even if you don't have a mold problem, if you buy anything that comes from China or if you're re renovating your house and using regular paints without, without buying VOC-free paints, these, these low-level chemical exposures, and the same thing goes for pollutants, that you know, moisture-based pollutants or moisture-driven pollutants like mold, we are rebreathing that same stuff constantly. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like you're getting an exposure at the gas station. Like yeah. where you just get that little whiff and you go, oh, I got a face full of benzene. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, but but that 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 will dilute and, and and your body will process that and your liver will do its thing and 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 you know and and it may, may even be hormetic. You may actually get benefit from that little sure. tiny exposure. Who, who knows? But if you put your if you're doing that, if that gas can is in your living room, yeah, you have a problem. Yeah, you have a problem. And even if a tiny little a, 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 a tiny drop of that gasoline is in your living room and, and you're rebreathing that stuff, you now have a chronic exposure on, to a, a small quantity. And so you might as well be breathing a large quantity of it uh, because you're ultimately you're, you're wearing yourself down. And that's the problem with indoor air that most people don't realize. Yeah. And even things like, and I think people don't realize this is paint cans and like partially used. Cause you know, we all, you get your house painted and you're like, Oh, we better hang on to that extra paint because what if something happens to the wall, we'll never be able to find the color again. And then you've got the stain for the back deck and you've got the, this, and then, you know, you've got all this stuff and it's sitting in your basement and we don't realize, I think many people don't realize that even that there's a little bit of leaching that's going on constantly. I would think. There is. I mean, everyone has, who's ever had that scenario where they've kept their paint cans has gone back and opened them up and found them dry. And my question is, where did it go? Where did it go? <laughs> exactly. It, it, where did it go? It had to go yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, and so, and you want the heat to stay in your house. Well, if you want the heat to stay in your house, guess what else is staying in your house? The unvented combustion on your gas appliances when you're cooking. The other stuff, that the candles that you're burning, the scented candles, stop doing that stuff, people. The other thing, you know, anything with a fragrance or, or and that, that stuff is bad news, just bad yeah. news. Um, and so, you know, I'm a big, obviously I'm the mold guy, right? I mean, that's, that's uh, um, one of, one of my many names, but you know, the, the reality is, is that I'm a healthy home uh, evangelist and, right. and mold is the four letter word that causes people to pick up the phone. But the real issue is health. Um, and it's, mm -hmm. you know, you're a biohacking and, and a performance, a human performance expert. There is no better biohack than healthy, healthy indoor air. Yeah. No, I'm, you know, I'm really truly is. Well, the first rule is to stop doing stuff that makes you weak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then I identify your repetitive habits and, 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 and modify them. And what do you do more than breathe? You breathe 20,000 times a day, 20 thousand times a day. So if you refine that behavior by virtue of your, your interface of the world, we're, we're an open system here. Mm -hmm. Your are that is your interface to the world. Right. And so, but you have the ability with our indoor environment, with modern technology to measure, you know, to quantify and modify that to your heart's content. Um, and so I feel like this is an opportunity where you have the highest return on investment of almost anything else you can do for a relatively small dollar amount, air purifiers, vigilance on monitoring humidity, you know, acting quickly on things, you know, you see a little leak, act, the, the key to this stuff is all, it, it all comes down to moving quickly. 
Um, and and th- there is also no greater consequence or price to pay for not making those investments, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you've got a double-edged sword here that's very dramatic. And, and so, so it's not, it's a logical argument. I, I try not to appeal to people's fear, but rather to their common sense, yeah. right? And just raise awareness about this so that people start thinking a little differently about it and start seeing the world uh, as, you know, seeing this particular aspect as a place where they have domain control. Yeah, no, and it's, you know, you bring up an interesting point because a lot of people live and where I live, there's a lot of new construction. So people will be like, well, you know, mold's not going to be an issue here. And it may not be, but the the other side of the coin, the VOC may most likely, I mean, unless you've got an exceptional builder, will be the, the, the next issue that you're going to have to deal with. And, you know, I live yeah. in an old home. It's a, over a hundred years old. So airtightness is not a problem. <laughs> but you've got enough, you've got cross ventilation happening, whether you like it or not. Whether I like it or <laughs> believe me, I can, you know, if it's minus 25 degrees out, which it was last week, you feel it through the front door. <laughs> oh, listen, I live in Minnesota. I, I, I'm very familiar with, with that. And, and, and we don't really understand build, you know, commercial buildings have requirements for air exchange, you know, yeah. Uh, but residential doesn't. And, yeah. and so there are, there are tools and devices that, again, most people are not aware of, like energy recovery ventilators of people in North, the great North woods, like, like you or, or me, maybe uh, might know what an ERV or an HRV is, but th- they have a use in, in every home because stale air builds up. And honestly, my, my, my main mission mold, mold is, is, is front and center. Cause I think all mold related illness is prevention is preventable. Right. All of it is preventable. Um, because it's, this is a biological reality. Something gets wet, stays wet for 48 hours, gets moldy. You can prevent that. Okay. And you can reduce exposure. There is no mold related illness. It's completely preventable. And, and yet it causes an untold amount of harm to a hundred million Americans every year, mm-hmm. uh, whether through property damage or, or through health effects. Uh, and so it's a massive, massive problem. But on top of that, I think even more, uh, Obviously, my mission is to eventually seek the banning of all carcinogenic chemicals used in indoor building materials. There's yeah. no reason we should, as, a, as a, if we're talking about improving lives and we're talking about reducing health care costs and we're talking about all these budget issues and all that stuff, first things first, stop putting carcinogenic chemicals into indoor environments. Yeah. You'll see cancers go like this. You'll see autoimmune disease go like that. You'll see all the numbers plummet and you'll see the healthcare industry suddenly in which scares them that is that the, the hospitals might be empty. Apparently that wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> um, but you know, but even, even beyond that, like the flame retardant, like, you know, when you look at kids, I don't know if this is still an issue, but I know that when my son was born, you have to be careful what you bought because all the flame retardants that they're using so that your child doesn't burn up in a house fire, supposedly, I don't know, is it Kevlar? It's supposed to be Kevlar or something. But but the the bad news is that, yeah, sure, you shouldn't be putting your kid in flammable polyester pajamas, but the chemicals that they're using in the cribs and the mattresses in the pajamas and even in the clothes are pretty toxic. And, uh, yeah. you know, and I think what's, you know, what's what's so important about this messaging is and it's something that you said earlier as biohackers or people who are optimizing performance interested in longevity the whole nine yards like before we get into the fancy stuff which we're all doing whether it's the peptides or the bioregulators or the crazy supplements or you know saunas and cold plunge and whatever else 
these, this is the foundation. This is like, are you sleeping? Are you moving? Are you eating? Are you breathing something that is not trying to kill you every minute of every hour of every day kind of thing? So I think, you know, I think that, you know, it it can also, we, we almost maybe need to add another pillar to that, that health foundation. And it's interesting because breathing has come up a lot more over the last few years with people like Patrick McCown talking about the value of mouth taping and, you know, how that will improve all of your health metrics. Like for men, your testosterone will go up and your recovery will be better and your health brain will be better. But this is now taking it even a step further and bringing this whole air that we breathe into focus. And and it is really, for me, getting back to basics. Uh, You know, the four basic human needs are air, water, food, shelter. And you could argue that shelter and air are together. Yeah, pretty together. But but people don't think about the shelter part as as an essential human need, you know, because, again, whatever you're supposed to long enough, eventually you take for granted. Right. Everyone's yeah. home. Every humans are, are have homes. Almost people are less than human. Right. I mean, you really look at what we do in our society. Right. That yeah. There's there's this thing that that happens there. And so you just you just take this for granted is you're 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 you've got a house. Yeah. And, but the reality of it is that you wouldn't do very well without it. Uh, and you would do very poorly without food after you know a few weeks, and you'd do very poorly without water for a few days, and you'll do very poorly without air for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and but yet the thing that we need the most acutely is the thing that we take most for granted. It's just, just a classic thing. I mean, this, we do this with our relationships too. We reserve our worst behavior for the people closest to us. Sure. Right. This is this is a very human thing that we do. Um, and and I it, you know it just it's 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 almost hilarious, but. Um, but when I look at buildings, this is an idea to, that I play with a lot. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it in a book. Um, it's, it's the idea that we, we think about houses or, work, or, or the buildings that we live and work in as these boxes that we kind of, you know, that we move through and we, we, we work and sleep in and something like that. And I, I think about it more like an extension of your immune system. Interesting. An exoskin and an exoskeleton. You know, the buildings are a filter. Uh, and and there's some studies that show that they're, you know, about a MERV-8, MERV-10 filter, um, not quite HEPA, but, the, you know, particles and stuff make it through, right? And so just like our skin, uh, these things make it through. Outdoor pollution, actually, the biggest source of indoor pollution is actually outdoor pollution, believe it or not. And when it gets in, it recycles um, right. oftentimes. And so that's why indoor air pollution can be 100 times more polluted than outdoor air, according to the EPA. It's because of this Because it's more concentrated, Right. And right. you get infiltration and then you also have sources indoors. We bring stuff in with us, on us. We bring in our boxes from the stuff we bought from China and, you know, we open that stuff up. And we, so we bring in our pollutants. We, we grow our pollutants with, with, with moisture problems. You know, we do lots and we invite other critters to come in with extra moisture problems. So we bathe in insects and the pests and all that good stuff. So we bring all that stuff in, but also stuff comes in. It just mm-hmm. infiltrates in and then we rebreathe it. And so it's really important to, to recognize that, that air filtration is super important. I look at that as a fundamental appliance in the house. If you have a refrigerator and a toilet, you need an air purifier too. I mean, it's up there with toilets and refrigerators and homes because we, we create pollution in our home and mm-hmm. then it also comes in. And so you have to mechanically remove that on a proactive basis, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year to keep up with it because the pollution is coming in. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, but the extension of the immune system is an interesting thing because you start, then you start to look at this and you start to think, well, the building, hmm, 
kind of seems like an organism in a way. Uh, we love to personify our cars. We yeah. love to personify, right? People love to personify their boats and their, but what about personifying your house a little bit? We, we, we like to uh, objectify humans and personify our things. Well, let's persona, let's look at this house and say, well, what if this house, it's kind of like a system of systems. It's kind of like an organism. Uh, it has a birthday, right? It, it was, it may have a death day. Its longevity is determined by how well you care for it. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that it has all these other components of, of an organism, uh, and, and, you know, lungs, potentially your HBAC system, circulatory for the, you know, a ner- you've got, you know, a neural network now these days, many houses. Um, what about the immune system? We're the immune system. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're almost like the mitochondria in the house, if, if you will. <laughs> but yeah. really, what we, what we have this relationship. But the thing is, when the building develops aches and pains, and, and, and it does because maintenance has to occur. The first thing that manifests is a moisture problem. And that moisture problem, the first thing that manifests from moisture problem is a mold issue. And so much like the body has a aching pain and sends inflammation, the mold in the building is a lot like inflammation in the body. An acute leak, an acute problem, you can treat that quickly. But a chronic leak, mm-hmm. much like chronic inflammation, is its own disease. Yeah. Uh, and so when you start talking about the toxic molds and the black molds, they are the byproduct of chronic dampness. And so that's an indication that you've not been listening to your building. That we have a symbiotic relationship, at least we should, is what I'm arguing. And again, I'm working through some of this stuff. So if you shoot holes all, all you want, uh, I, I'd love to, 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 to pressure test this a little bit because I, I think that, you know, we, we, we have a relation, we have a mutualism. You know, you ever see a house that's left unoccupied for six months? It collapses. A disaster. It yeah. Right? So yeah. we need, to, it needs us, we need it. And, and if we can establish that mutual, you know, you, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm engaging people to, or to consider having a more intimate relationship with, with the building that protects them. They take care of it. It takes care of them. The building gets sick. You get sick. The building heals. You heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. So, you know, let's talk about the connections between mold and Lyme, chemical sensitivities, gut health. I mean, you know, if mold is as rampant. And we know that, I mean, you know, what's amazing to me is with all the environmental disasters that are happening in all these different places, so many of them have to do with water, right? Absolutely. And yep. you can only imagine, like we can only imagine the scale of damage that's being done to buildings. And even like, for example, in Texas, where they're having all these problems with all of a sudden we haven't, you know, in Austin, we have an ice freezing problem and people's pipes burst and <laughs> And so it's ice, except really it's water. And then you're living in a place that's super hot, super humid all the time anyway. And even the air conditioning can be a source of mold. You know, like I've For sure. I've gone to hotels, turned on the air conditioning and gone, yeah, it's not going to work. Like, I mean, you can <laughs> smell the stuff coming out of this thing at you. It goes, um, spewing. And, yeah. you, and you smell it coming out, right? And so anyways, but going back to my first thing, like, I do also think that some people may be more sensitive to mold than others, like because our bodies differently genetically, some people are able to clear toxins more efficiently than other people. And yet at the same time, we're all eventually, if we're exposed to enough of it, if you overwhelm the body system, you're just, it's just going to become a problem. Right. So would you say that basically mold is almost setting the stage for these other things like Lyme, chemical sensitivities, microbiome imbalances, and hence your propensity to just get sick more often? Yes. 
it's a challenge to the immune system ultimately. And if the immune system's busy fighting the mold, it's just not going to be available. Yeah. I, I look at it. There's a couple different perspectives. I kind of think, you know, there's this, it, it, you can start either with, so the, the, I look at mold, the, the body is like a juggler. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And it's doing, and it, and, it, and, it, and it doesn't need to touch too much to, it's just doing its thing. Things are moving and you've got a rhythm to it. And mold is the guy across the room throwing a ball at the juggler. Right. Something's got to give. Right. Uh, and, 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 but the thing about mold is tricky and, and also chemical sensitivities, uh, which, which sometimes is chicken and an egg, you know, like people oftentimes develop chemical sensitivities in my experience. I've been doing this tw- just a re- 20 years. I've done thousands and thousands of assessments. And so all my stuff is anecdotal, although many, much of it's been backed up by research, right? So like when I first started seeing these things, I was standing on my, my, my you know, pounding this drum, telling everybody, and, you know, and slowly the research comes out and validates these things. It's been very gratifying, um, although frustrating because 20 years is a long, long time to be pounding a drum. For sure. Um, and, <laughs> and so the, the, the thing about chronic mold exposure is that mold produces a number of compounds when it's growing. So this is great mold 101. Let's go back to basics on this. Yeah. Mold spores is everyone's familiar with spores. They're like microscopic seeds, if you will. And so they, but they are, they are designed to, to hang out forever. I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, they, they're, there are viable uh, spores pulled out of the ice uh, in Antarctica. There are viable spores in King Tut's tomb. You know, these things last a long, long time. They're waiting patiently for the right, conditions to be present and that's the right, right temperature the right moisture they are there they do require oxygen to grow and of course moisture um nutrition source rather and and of course moisture um and so when you get all those lined up boom suddenly the the all the you know this thing wakes up and sends out a, a shoot called a hyphae it's basically a little feeler yeah. and it's looking for something to eat and and it, fa- it lands on something that is made of cellulose or some other nutrient that, that resonates with this critter's DNA. And it releases the perfect enzyme to, do, to digest it. And instead of digesting in the stomach like we do, it digests outside. And that process produces uh, mold farts. Mold farts. Which is the musty odor. Oh, okay. Mold farts. That's the technical term. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so term. Mold burps, mold farts. Uh, and, and so it really is truly that musty smell. You have to think about it as if it is the di- digested byproduct. This is not, that's part, it's not good to di- inhale people's di- or other critters digestive byproducts, right? Yeah. So, so we'll start there. Uh, the musty smell is something, again, we talked earlier, is something that's been dismissed as simple a nuisance, as an aesthetic nuisance uh, for, for most of our lives until recently, when the musty odor has been identified as a, as a, as a, as a, a trigger for immune responses in many people. Uh, it is it, linked to headaches, nausea, dizziness, fatigue, difficulty, constant brain fog. The brain fog people talk about with mold oftentimes uh, is related to the, to the musty smell. Uh, but that musty smell is comprised of a whole potpourri of chemicals, many of which look like industrial solvents. In fact, since many of them are industrial solvents, benzene, for example, which we talked about at the gas station, is also a component of the musty smell in many cases. Uh, and so that's a carcinogen. Uh, you've also got you know all sorts of alcohols, ketones, aldehydes, this whole chemical... But, but the bottom line is all that stuff is, uh, is, is enough, especially at low levels, to trigger these responses in people. Now, the question is, what's the response? And what's fascinating is that many times it's that trigeminal thing where you've got, it creates a fight or flight type response. People blame mold for allergic, allergic responses, of course, and toxic responses. And, mm-hmm. and, but there's this thing in the middle here, which is very, is becoming more well understood 
which is the fight or flight, which is that this is a, a threat to my, my, my survival and the right. body shuts down and then associates whatever it's exposed to, uh, to in that moment and then projects forward and says, if I'm ever around that again, I'm going to shut down and mm-hmm. I'm going to experience, right. Or general or inflame, right. And, and start sending resources to this. And so that's how you become chemically sensitive. If you expose yourself long enough to the musty odor, that's what happens. So most of the time, it's interesting. There's a tremendous percentage of people that, I, that I've served that uh, either lived in a basement apartment or mm-hmm. lived in the basement of a house uh, or, or, or worked in a moldy space. So they spent concentrated times in a space that they knew had, had a dampness issue. Uh, and, uh, and they develop a chemical sensitivity. Uh, and it's perfumes and it's, you know, they, they can't go to the gas station. They can't go to Walmart. You know, it's a real, it's a real burden. And it takes a lot to unwind that. Uh, and some mm-hmm. people are successful at it and some people aren't. Um, uh, the mycotoxins, which everybody wants to talk about. Yeah. And mycotoxins are important. They are not the main issue. The main issue is dampness. You, you, people are chasing the tail, okay? Instead of fixing the, the, the act, really getting to the source. Um, the source yeah, your website, you talk about biocides, like, don't bother, like, don't do it. Do biocides not. being that thing that kills the mold when you're actually haven't done anything to stop it from reoccurring. And then you have like kind of corpses, mold corpses. Lying around. You leave behind dead mold, which is, which, is the, which is one of the favorite things for live mold to eat. You've left behind dead mold, oftentimes with a biocide, which is water-based in many cases, you're leaving behind water too. Uh, mm-hmm. And people use those biocides not to facilitate cleaning, but in lieu of cleaning. And the whole point of mold remediation is First of all, remedy is the root of remediation, by the way. Yeah. So remedy. So what's the remedy? It's not kill mold. It's not kill mycotoxins. By the way, mycotoxins are not alive. Everyone wants to kill mycotoxins. You can't kill them. They're not alive. They're, they can't be alive. They can't be dead. They're, they're inert. Mycotoxins are chemical, oily chemical substances that are very effective at killing other microbes, but they're not alive or dead. So you can't kill them. But people want to kill them. You want to kill, kill, kill. You know, human ingenuity, Rob Dunn. Uh, Never Home Alone, great book. If anyone wants to read about about the critters in your house, he tells this, this a beautiful story, uh, and uh, he's a, just a fabulous writer. And um, uh, so he 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 says human ingenuity large relies largely upon our ability to kill things. Well, think about it. That's a bit harsh. But it, many times, antibiotics, yeah, nuclear bombs, whatever it is, our ingen- our great apex moments seem to be many times on how we can most efficiently kill things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Rob Dunn's argument is that we need to stop doing that stuff because in the houses that he studied, uh, he's a, a, a applied ecologist uh, at, uh, uh, down in North Carolina, uh, the university. I'm, I'm ashamed that I can't remember off my head. But anyway, the bottom line is that he, he, he d- does citizen science and has people sample their houses and send stuff in. And he does you know, significant statistically relevant quantities uh, of, of, uh, of uh, uh, submissions. And, and he, he concluded that the healthiest houses have the most microbes, not the least, the most diverse, not the most, the largest quantity, not the largest, the largest variety diversity rather yeah. than the largest quantity. You follow? Um, yeah. It's like and, a micro, and, like a healthy microbiome. Yeah. And so, and actually the same thing goes with water, the healthiest water. And he talks at length about this is not the water that's free of microbes. It's the water that has actually archaea and these amazing old creatures that, that shows a very diverse, healthy ecosystem. 
where we have problems is we have high concentrations of one critter, uh, high concentrations in specific areas. So that's why chronic dampness, chronic mold, toxic mold, black mold, that's the last stage of a mold problem. And that's when black mold, toxic mold comes in. Mold has three stages, primary colonizers, secondary colonizers, and tertiary colonizers. Primary colonizers are the first guys that come to the party. Uh, they grow quickly, they eat a lot of stuff. And then the, if that moisture persists, a secondary wave comes in. New molds, actually. It's why testing for mold species is a joke. That's why Ermi is such a joke too. Um, because if you're looking for a species, you may, you may not find it today. If you test tomorrow, it might be there. Might be That's there. how fast these things shift. It's a landscape that's shifting. It's, a, it's, it's like the edge of, this, of, of, a, of, a, of like the beach or like the edge of a lake where you've got this entire gradient from the water all the way up to the trees. And there's an entire ecosystem of creatures and the moisture conditions that occur in a building that's got a water problem is no different. You've got an entire, like a, like an, like an ocean, sh like a shore. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, as that moisture ebbs and flows or as it dries and, and, you know, as the, as it, as it, as it, as it, as it gets wet and dries, you're going to see these shifts in the critters that, 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 uh, that do well. The ones that dominate at the end, the tertiary colonizers, are the ones that have the chemical weapons. Oh, they're the farters and microtoxins. Right. Yes. <laughs> and they come in and they kill everybody. And we get caught in the crossfire. So my, my thing is, if you have a moisture problem and you don't fix it, just know that that's around the corner. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what kind of mold you have today. If you wait, you'll get that one. You know, right. so, right. so, so the key is you have to be vigilant in your awareness of a moisture problem and then act quickly when you have one super important. So, but we, you asked some questions about Lyme disease and, 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 and that stuff. And, and I, I brought that all around for a reason. So you, Lyme, chemical sensitivities, mold, it's a Venn diagram. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of overlap there. Again, biotoxin related sensitivity, the inability to detox, big deal. Um, a lot of times the, uh, the, 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 that, that fear response, the panic response is yeah. also common with all of these, with these things. Right. Right. Um, and, and the, the general inflammation, you know, I, I have a, 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 some physician groups reaching out that want, that want to prescribe our test kit to all of their new patients because they've identified, this is a psychiatric practice because they've identified inflammation mm -hmm. as, as present in all of their intake with, yeah. with very few exceptions, except for relationship issues. Uh, but anyone that, that's there for any sort of psychiatric issue the, uh, that's not completely exotic, you know, that's not just a relationship issue, they, they can identify an inflammatory uh, component. That's fascinating to me yeah. uh, and not surprising. You know, no. uh, Edward Shanassa at Brown University connected mold and dampness and doors to depression. Just a quick minute to thank our sponsor this episode, DrinkHRW, who make rejuvenation molecular hydrogen tablets. They deliver 10 parts per million of hydrogen in 500 milliliters of water directly to your cells. This is the highest concentration of hydrogen of any other brand. I personally choose this product for a number of reasons, but the first is that this company actually invests in research. Today, they've invested in 13 human clinical trials with more to come. So why is hydrogen important in the first place? Well, the list of benefits of molecular hydrogen includes enhanced alertness, reduction in liver fat, improved aerobic fitness, improved muscle recovery. And there was also a study on metabolic health in humans that showed that drink HRW tablets improved 18 of 20 metabolic markers. 
I use molecular hydrogen first thing in the morning, and I will often use it mid-afternoon if I need a bit of a pick-me-up. So if you'd like to try molecular hydrogen rejuvenation tablets for yourself, just go to drinkhrw.com forward slash superhuman and use discount code longevity to save 15% off your purchase. And now let's get back to the episode. I just came back from a holiday, moved into a place, which fortunately we were only in for five days and it had just been redone. It was by the beach, like on the beach, almost just been redone. And it was amazing. And I go into the bathroom and I go to open the cabinet under the sink to put my stuff in so that I didn't leave my crap lying around. And I was hit with a wall of smell that knocked me flat on my butt. I don't know that I've ever smelled such a, like I've just been hit with such a wave of that smell. And, you know, it's funny because I, I slammed the door shut. I knew enough not to put anything in there. It's only in retrospect that I've now figured this out. I had a blinding headache for about, mm. for almost the, for almost the whole time I was there. Like I spent a lot of time sitting outside and it occurs to me that, you know, even though it was isolated, it was in the bathroom and we had a two story place. I wonder if it was that it was a reaction and I don't consider myself to be particularly sensitive to anything, but I don't get blinding headaches as a rule. Like I'm not a headache. You know, you get people who get headaches all the time. I'm not that person. Yeah. And it was, and I just felt like I was so sad because I'm like, these people had spent all this money virtually almost gutting this place. And it was beautiful, but some schmuck, whether it was the contractor or someone decided to just, uh, you know what, we'll just slam the cabinet in there. They won't see, nobody will know. It'll be fine. It just, it kind of had this horrible tumor. <laughs> in the bathroom. Like it was, that was kind of oozing, you know? And so I guess one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, you know, do you always smell mold? Yeah. If it's growing well, so that the smells are tricky. So we get called for odor investigations a lot. And there's a lot you said there. I want to go back to about getting yeah. your face full and, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the reaction and even drywall drywall, by the, by the way, is the perfect growth medium for, for, for uh, uh, mold. Uh, it's up. It's better than a petri dish. Uh, no so kidding. we build buildings out of what I call paper mache, uh, yeah. or we build buildings out of mold food. Um, but uh, my mentor used to say we build buildings out of paper mache. Uh, just that, you know, and 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 really we do. We we actually build self composting homes, just add water. Um, and you know, <laughs> but we used to build buildings out of concrete and, or at least rather brick and stone and 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 plaster. We didn't have mold problems back then the way we do because we didn't build oh, buildings out of nutrient-rich substances. Now, because of the interest, I wrote a piece on Huffington Post a number of years ago called A Brief History of Mold, and, and I expand on this uh, significantly. But basically, we built, because of the, 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 uh, the housing boom after World War II, we developed fast building products, fast, you know, mm-hmm. fast and cheap. And, um, and so we, we basically, uh, you know, I mean, even the dumbest of the three little pigs didn't build this house out of paper. <laughs> You know, Good like, point. never on, thought of that. <laughs> it's so dumb. And, 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 and if it gets wet, it will get moldy in 24 hours, 48 hours. You know, it, 72 is on the outside, according to the industry standard. If something gets wet and stays wet for three days, it's treated like a mold problem, even if you don't see mold on it. Um, and so, you know, do you smell mold if you, if, 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 if you have mold most of the time? And the, and I, again, it goes back to that. It depends. Yeah. Um, it, the, the very, the thing that happens with, with odors is that you have to have a pollutant or at least a source mm-hmm. you have to have a pathway and then you have to have the person that senses it 
And if you don't have a pathway between them, right, then so for example, mold can be growing in a wall where there might be a pressure differential. And so this is a little bit building science -y, so I apologize. But sometimes a building can be positively pressurized yeah. uh, or negatively pressurized. So in other words, if you've got an exhaust vent blowing out the, the, constantly, whether it's a dryer vent or whatever, air that goes out of a building has to come in from somewhere. This is an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. if, if a cubic foot of air leaves a building, a cubic foot of air must come in. Yeah. This is the, really, otherwise the building would crumple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. Right? So it's a, a problem. fixed volume of air. Out right. means in. And so if you're negatively pressured, then you will pull stuff from walls. You'll pull stuff from nooks and crannies. Right. So if, if because we're all venting out, kitchen exhaust, bathroom exhaust, dryer vent. Right. This, this is a common thing. Negatively pressurized. So if you've got mold in exterior walls, you will often get that smell. Now, mm -hmm. if your building's positively pressurized because you because sometimes buildings are are designed to be slightly positive, which is actually a healthier type of building. And that way, when you ventilate out, you come back to neutral. And also, you keep pollutants in the walls. You're not pulling from outside. And if you're doing the right thing, if you're slightly positive pressurized, you're actually in better shape. Uh, you probably won't smell it hmm. because there's no pathway to you. It's actually going out, right? So that's the so so sometimes, and this is really tricky when it comes to certain types of construction, um, where like the synthetic stucco that was very common in the '90s, the EFS, they call it EIFS, where they put those typically people don't smell instead the building just it, the wall just rots out lovely right nice um and, and so you don't notice it until you until you until you see that the sheetrock is a little soft and you put your finger through the wall right um, so it's you know then th at that point you're you're, you're done pretty far down the road yeah. yeah so uh so but the but the reality of it is that the musty smell is so i always say if you see something smell something or feel something do something yeah. So if you see something that's water damage, signs of moisture, you know, discoloration, any of that stuff, blistering, you know, the, the, the trim pulling from the wall, trim pulling is a dead giveaway. You yeah. see that, kind that of buckling stuff. kind of thing. Yeah. 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 That's a dead, you know, so if you see something, uh, if you smell something, the odor is, 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 you know, the musty odor can sometimes be present and you won't be able to find it because a lot of times it's happening in weird places, like in the carpet. Uh, and you won't yeah. see like in the basement, in the carpet, carpet in the basement is a no, no. Uh, but everybody does it. And by the way, the house I'm in right now has carpet in the basement, which we will eventually correct. Right. What? The co co <laughs> cobbler son has no shoes. Yeah. No. Um, you know, listen, I, in Minnesota, it was unbelievable trying to find a house where that wasn't completely mold infested because we've got the opposite problem that most people have in Florida, which is we have moisture produced in the building, but it's very cold outside. So like you in Canada, we had condensation on the wind, right. incredible condensation. And, and, and the, the mold problems people have up north, people down south don't think, don't think we have. Because right, they right, think right. humidity outside. It starts, we create our humidity inside, and yes. then it condenses inside walls. And we get some pretty nasty mold problems in our climate, you know, in this, this, this heating climate. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's tricky. The, the, the smell is a dead giveaway. If you smell it, you have to investigate it. And again, what you're investigating is not where the mold is, but where the moisture is coming from. The key to this whole thing, people, this is the most important thing. If I can just emphasize one thing is mold is not the problem. Mold is the symptom. Right. Right. Moisture is the problem. And, and since you can't control any of the other variables that mold likes, which is food, temperature, and oxygen, the only thing you can control and thing you must control is moisture. Yeah. Uh, and then mold remediation, again, remedy, you remedy the moisture problem, and then you clean up the symptom. Then you clean up the mess that it made, which means ripping the walls apart where, where it was affected, cleaning all the 
exposed surfaces using HEPA vacuums and damp wipes. Again, no chemicals. Scrubbing the air with HEPA filtered air cleaners, mm-hmm. and then getting testing done by a third party. That's the way it needs to be done. So see something, smell something, and then uh, see something, see uh, see something, smell something, and then feel something. And the, the list of symptoms for mold is so long um, that that you know you've got the upper respiratory the typical resp- allergic stuff. You've got the more nebulous sort of cognitive uh, headaches, nausea, dizziness, fatigue. A lot of people talk about, uh, like I said, the depression, sleep disturbance is a big one. Mm. Nightmares, mold nightmares, mold rage uh, is is a thing. Um, and uh, and then all the overlapping stuff. You know, a lot of people, you know, again, you know, the mold mold will tend to um, exacerbate other illnesses. And at the very least, uh, it will make you susceptible to other things. And so it will weaken you so that when, you know, in times like this, where we have a pandemic, uh, you know, you may very well be more susceptible to another infection as a result of your Well, or get sicker from it, right? I mean, how interesting would it be, would it have been, I mean, not that anybody had the bandwidth while running from the fire, but how interesting would it have been to draw lines between the most serious cases and the condition of the air in their home? Never mind. Metabolically, we know that people with metabolic imbalances had a harder time than people without those metabolic imbalances. But, you know, we all, we've all heard about those people who didn't seem to have metabolic imbalances, who had a really tough time. How interesting might it be to go back to those people, those people's living environment to see was there a contributing factor there that just compromised their immune system or their lungs or whatever the case may be? Like to your point, this constant low level kind of irritation that will lead to bigger issues down the road. No doubt about it. I mean, if you just sit here and just do this to your hand <laughs> exactly. gently yeah. all day, you're going to have a problem. Yeah. And we're doing that to ourselves 20,000 times a day, right? Yeah. That's the, that's my, that's the, the distilled thesis. We have the problem. We have the, mostly the issue. Let's talk about now let's not let people go away with a nightmare on their hands. Let's talk about what they can do about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, you know, there's, there's, and there's different degrees and, and it's interesting, you know, I don't particularly have air filters in my house, but now I'm sitting here listening to you going, man, I need to go up and get a couple of HEPA air filters. And the problem is I live in a four story home because I live in, in a city where it's older homes and we're multi-level and I'm like, do I need four of these things or can I get one really big one? I don't have central air, which is maybe a good thing, you know? So how do we help people to solve the problem and how do they, all that stuff? There's a few things. Um, So first of all, recognize that mold is a fact of life. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's up there with death and taxes. It's a guarantee. Uh, and so, you know, this is something that you should arm yourself with the knowledge of, of being able to navigate because if it hasn't happened to you, it will. It's just okay. It's, so it's, it's not an if; on. it's a when. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a when, right? Uh, and so, it's not something like lightning striking or like the, like an earthquake that happens to you. You know, it's actually something that's very predictable, very repeatable. <laughs> uh, and in fact, mold is doing its thing when it's digest when it's taking stuff and turning it back into dirt in your yard, like sticks and, and leaves not supposed to be taking your house and turning it back into dirt. Uh, and that's what it's right. trying to do. So what do you do? If you have an air quality problem, okay, or a mold issue, first thing you do is, of course, stop the water, right? Yes. Find and diagnose the water. And that means if you can't fix it, that's when you need to get a professional. And that comes first, comes before you do anything else. 
The second thing you want to do is assess, figure out what the extent of this problem is. And so that's why testing is useful. If you have the budget, it's great to find an independent, meaning that they're not a remediation contractor and they don't have relationships with remediation, an independent inspector that does not do remediation or repairs. Okay. And this is hard to find. Yeah. This is what 1-800-GOT-MOLD, my mold inspection business, that's how we dis- differentiated ourselves in the beginning. And, and still, okay. no conflict. we don't do remediation, never have. We don't pick up a hammer or you know, there's, there, there's no HEPA vacuums in our truck. Um, so we, we go out and do the diagnosis and we f- help find contractors and vet them. And then we do the testing and inspection at the end. So we're kind of the, the gatekeeper in the front and the warden in the back. And if you can find a, con- a, a consultant like what we do in your area, Please do. You can look at acac.org, which is the um, the, uh, um, uh, the trade association that that trains and certifies environmental consultants in our industry. Um, and you can search there for a certified indoor environmentalist. Uh, they tend to be uh, um, more well-rounded than a, just a mold inspector. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, many of them are independent. Although there are not many of them, there are not enough of them. That's for sure. Um, so, so getting, doing an assessment to determine the extent of the mold problem or the extent of the pollution is, is, is a very, very important next step. But the three things you can do once you've identified the, 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 the cause and the extent are ready. Number one, you can remove the source, which is of course ideal, right? So that means that you're going to go in, you're going to take out that mold, or you're going to take out the, 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 the pollute, whatever the building material is, if it's VOCs, you know, your source removal is not always possible. If you've refinished your floors, that's hard to, to fix, right? Uh, so source removal for mold, sometimes it's a budget issue. Sometimes it's a logistics issue. Sometimes it's you can't find the right c- contractor. So source removal is sometimes not possible or practical. Uh, doesn't mean you can't, you shouldn't continue to try to figure out how to do that because ultimately that's remediation. But the second thing you can do if you can't do source removal is you can dilute. Uh, so bringing in fresh air from elsewhere. This is also very tricky because if it's too hot or too, if you're bringing air from outside and it's hot or cold or humid or precipitating, you know, raining or snowing, you don't want to do that. Um, And so oftentimes, you know, we have walls and windows and doors because it's often too hot or too cold or too wet outside. And so, uh, so diluting is not that easy, but that's why there are devices like we mentioned earlier, energy recovery ventilators, heat recovery ventilators, ERVs and HRVs. and they're very different. So uh, in fact, we're going to be doing a piece on our blog about that uh, to, to uh, um, help people understand a little more about that. That allows you to ventilate uh, without losing the embedded energy that is in the air that you are heating and cooling. So an energy recovery ventilator, if I get that out, energy recovery ventilator uh, will take air, it will purge the outs, the stale inside air, and then transfer the heat or or cooling energy to the inside air. And we'll also filter it and dehumidify it. The really neat contraptions. Huh. Um, and so they are highly recommended in every building uh, and they are used in very few. Um, yeah. and, and I don't care what climate you're in, unless you have an open air uh, scenario in the Caribbean or the Hawaii, this is uh, a, a great appliance must. Uh, for okay. you. That's yeah. dilution, okay? Uh, the third thing, which is uh, oftentimes the most effective, both in terms of cost and results, is filtration. Okay. Um, and I could go and link, we could do another podcast just about air filters, um, mm-hmm. but because they are not all created equal. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the thing you want to look for when it comes to mold is you need to look for an air filter that has a, that has a true HEPA. And, I, and I, true is defined by a sealed 
unit. So the air that comes in the filter goes through the filter and not around it. So, and, and, and it, this is, listen, this is marketing, right? Uh, yeah. You go buy a HEPA filtered vacuum cleaner, most of that air goes through it, but a lot of it doesn't. And so, that, but that same brand will have a true HEPA. So what is that one? If this is true, what's that one? Yeah. Right. So that that's also true for air purifiers. So you can see if it says true HEPA, then they have a they have a, a gasket, or at least it's 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 sealed so that air that comes in is brought in goes through the filter and does not bypass. And um, and so the other thing is that HEPA filters are not all created equal. Also, because um, well, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's HEPA is high efficiency particulate arrestance, and it means 99.75% of the particles, 0.3 microns and up, are removed. There's mm -hmm. another one called OLPA, which is what you call hype. They call hyper HEPA in some cases, another brand. Though when you start getting into the smaller ranges, you're doing better. They're more expensive. That's 0.1 microns and up, OLPA. That's really where you want to be because the deeply respirable stuff that gets into your bloodstream. Uh, the, the super fine particles, especially from combustion byproducts, uh, most of that stuff is super tiny. Uh, and so the OLPA is really important. But the piece that's most important for a mold problem when it comes to an air purifier, in addition to the HEPA, is you have to have a lot of carbon in the filter. Right. You have to have a lot of activated carbon because a mold problem is not just spores. It's also the microbial VOCs. And also mm -hmm. remember, we're killing ourselves with VOCs in our country. Uh, in any and, event, and so, exactly. So, in any event. So and again, I, I feel like air purifiers are, are a required appliance in every home. And so you should have an air purifier that has a lot of carbon in it. The thing about carbon is that it gets saturated. And mm -hmm. so it has to be either replaced or you can cook them. In some cases, the filter can actually be put in the sun or it can be, in some cases, I've heard of people that will, will, will bake them. Of course, you have to ventilate that properly because you've just put all the VOCs in that filter. Mm -hmm. and then, but, but in any cases, many, case, many, many of these are, are affordable to replace uh, and, they, and, and they, they, they need to be maintained on a regular basis. HEPA filters actually filter more out as they filter more out. Uh, they actually create a, a more efficient filter um, uh, to, a, to a limited degree. But, uh, but an air filter um, is uh, the third step, filtering out your air. Now, you cannot rely on the filters on your HVAC system. They are not for your air, for your, for your lungs. They're to keep the equipment clean. Right. Um, and and so, so they are simply to keep the dirt like and dog hair and stuff like that from getting into the blower and the coils. So mm -hmm. those are not really air filters, okay? The filters that I'm talking about or the purifiers I'm talking about also should not have ionizers, any zappers, gadgets, buzzers, no blue lights, no ultraviolet lights, none of this stuff, okay? Uh, these Why? things are, uh, well, there's a bunch of reasons. First of all, um, there's a lot of science that shows that when we're ionizing and we're zapping VOCs and all that stuff, we're actually producing new VOCs that are not understood. Many cases they were producing formaldehyde is, is the most common byproduct of these things where these things get kind of shattered and then they recombine and then they create more carcinogens. And so yes. we, 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 we humans have this massive, with this incredible propensity for taking some simple, safe things and, 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 and creating complicated, dangerous ones out of them, you know? Right. Uh, and, and, and this is a great example. So what we want to do is capture the particles, yeah. capture the gases, we don't need to kill things in every step of the way. We don't need to kill a VOC. You know, it's not alive, people. We don't need to kill the airborne particulate matter. We don't need to zap it or destroy it or, you know, like we're just so focused on just like, so, but capture it and remove it. 
Uh, and then, of course, you want to stop bringing it in. Uh, but when it comes down to it, you've got three things. You can source control, you can dilute, or you can filter. Um, and, and, and keeping in mind that the filtration will reduce exposure. It will make you feel better in most cases, but don't stop there. If you can remove the source, you should, um, because it's, it, it, you're, you're only buying time and you're only really reducing exposure, right? Yeah, you're pouring water into a leaky bucket, basically. So, I mean, that For makes, sure. you know, and again, we can, we can create analogies to health in the same way right? You can take an anti-inflammatory. If you're not going after the source of inflammation, you're chasing your tail. It's, it's yeah. the same thing. That totally makes sense. So, but the HEPA or the OPA or the HEPA filter ultimately will at least allow you to breathe until you can figure out the solution to the problem. And for your, for your case and for, for, for everyone's case, standalone air purifiers uh, don't do well with walls and doors. Right. So, <laughs> I, need, so I need like 27 of them in this place. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, we generally recommend that people focus on the areas where they spend the most time, which is yeah, clearly bedroom. your bedroom, yeah. uh, bedrooms, uh, yeah. living room, office, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And any area where there's, where, where you're going to have stagnant air, where you're going to have a propensity for buildup of things where, you know, like basements, you know, I mean, you may not spend all your time down there. But you're you're probably uh, well. Uh, it's probably a good idea, uh, well advised, to put an air purifier down there. What are your thoughts on dehumidifiers? Like, are they just like a a nursery for mold, basically? I mean, no, I, we can as do another show here, on those too. Yeah, we can, and we don't. <laughs> yeah, because we're gonna run out of time soon. But I, you know, it it doesn't escape me that my dehumidifier, which I have to have in the basement because. In this, I mean, in the summertime, it's just, you know, like I learned about 25 years. I've never bought a house that I didn't. The first thing I didn't do was rip out the carpet from the basement, from the main floor, from where I could find it. Like I just, I won't tolerate it. I put ceramic tile down. I won't even do wood in a basement because wood also in my mind, like with water damage and in these old homes that we live in, we've had so many floods in our basement. If we didn't have tile, we would have had to redo the floor like five times by now. So um, I tell people never to put carpet in the basement for that reason. You have to treat a, you have to finish a basement like a boat Yeah, with materials like you would use on a boat. Yeah. 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 And waterproof it in the whole nine yards. Right. So the dehumidifiers are, you know, in Minnesota, you probably have the same issues in the summer. It's really hot and humid in the winter. It's really cold. Like, so that dehumidifier in the basement makes a big difference, but is there such a thing as a dehumidifier? That's not just going to become a, a mold nursery. <laughs> yeah. So, so dehumidifiers, it, it is a really good question. Uh, so the, uh, the ASHRAE, which is the American society for heating, uh, uh, refrigeration, air conditioning engineers, just the sort of trade association for, for all the HVAC guys in the United States. Their guidance is that you should keep humidity in relative humidity between 40 and 60% indoors. Now okay. below 40%, you begin, you begin to develop discomfort. Your mucous membranes will dry out. That's why people get sick in the winter, by the way, their mucous membranes dry, dry out, out and then they have direct pathway Path, pathogens are everywhere. They always are. And yeah. you just happen to have a direct, a direct line. Uh, so it's not because it's cold. It's yeah. because it's dry. Uh, and so, uh, so you want to make sure that you're humidifying as much as you can without causing condensation problems and also creating other issues because humidifiers are more of a Petri dish than dehumidifiers, oh, but yeah. they're both, they're both potentially right. You, any sure. of those, you know, 
But the, the key to a dehumidifier is A, don't modify what you don't quantify. So get a humidity gauge mm-hmm. and put it in a place opposite, uh, far away from dehumidifiers. I love it. They have humidity gauges on them. <laughs> I love that. So of course it's dry right next to the dehumidifier. <laughs> I want to see what's going on on the other side of the room over there, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so you want to get a good humidity gauge. I like ones that have a base station that allow you to have wireless sensors that you can put throughout your house. I like to put one outside to see if I need to put a coat on to go out to get the newspaper. I like to put one in my crawl space because who wants to go in the crawl space? I like to, and, I, and if I see it spike, there might be a leak. There might be an issue, right? I like to put one in my in my in my basement. I put one in my bedroom. I put one in my son's room so I can see if the if the if if the heat is you know if it's too warm in there too. Anyway, I have these sensors all over my house and they're cheap. You know, you can Govi makes them. Um, sensor push. They're cheap and they're great. And uh, and and you can you can monitor your humidity. And you'll see in most climates it shifts widely. It's way too dry in the winter and way too humid in the summer. And so, uh, so you're, you're, you're humidifying, presumably, respectfully, mm-hmm. uh, carefully, uh, and, and on, uh, in the winter, and then you are dehumidifying in the summer. So what I suggest people do is with dehumidifiers, get a really good, efficient one, get one that operates at a low temperature. Cause they, they, the, the, the key is they have to, they, they, the difference between the temperature, ambient temperature and the temperature of the coils is the, is, is how much condensation it creates. Uh, and so you end up having, you, you want to have a very efficient dehumidifier and you want to have it drain automatically. So in other words, don't yeah. have to go empty it out because out of sight, out of mind. Right. And then, um, and so you want to have a drain automatically, ideally not with an auxiliary pump because pumps fail. Uh, ideally it drains so you can mount them. A lot of people successfully will put a dehumidifier up on a, on a, on a shelf or on a pedestal and then allow it to drain into a utility sink, right? Mm. So it just gravity drains, right? right? Uh, also, it's good to put a dehumidifier in the space where your heat or your furnace is, actually, believe it or not, because that warm air, again, the temperature difference between the coils inside that cause the condensation and the ambient humidity of the ambient the temperature in the, in the room, that difference actually facilitates more dehumidification. Huh, that's really interesting. Put it near the warmer stuff, not near the colder stuff. If you put it in the cold area, you're more likely for the coils to freeze up and then they don't condense. They've, they've, they've stopped right. working. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, dehumidifiers are crucial. And you also want to make sure that it's sized appropriately. Um, you know, dehumidifiers, mm-hmm. if you buy the one at Home, Home Depot or Lowe's, most of the time, those are, those are toys. Uh, and, and, and they will, they will work for a few years and then they'll die. The appliance, the, uh, Dehumidifiers we recommend are like appliances. Um, they're like a thousand bucks, and you know they will last you uh, a very long time. They'll take a hundred pints a day out of your out of your basement. And you right. set it in the winter. Right, you right. set it to the lowest setting. You'll never get it. I mean, in the summertime, you'll never get it uh, low. It'll never really truly get where it needs to get. But you'll be taking a hundred pints of water out a day, which is a hundred pints of water that's mm-hmm. not forming condensation and pockets of of comfort for a lot of uninvited guests. 
Right, right, right. The uninvited guests. Um, <laughs> I love that. Okay, so we have energy exchange units. We have either HEPA or OPA filters. Of stay away from the fancy stuff because we don't want to modify organisms that we don't know how we're going to modify them and maybe make them worse. We want to dehumidify and rehumidify appropriately. And then talk a little bit about your kits. I'm curious about how the kit works. I probably should have ordered one before we recorded this podcast. <laughs> uh, well, well, we'll make sure that you... You get yourself a kit. Um, also, with the with the HEPA filters, just I want to emphasize carbon, 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 carbon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mold, mold is mold is a so most air pollution to hyper hyper reduce this is a combination of uh, particle pollution and gas Par- particles and gas. If you're only using a HEPA filter, you're just taking out the particles. If you're only using carbon, you're only taking out the gases. You want to have both. Okay, that's really important. Okay. I recommend uh, Medify, by the way. Medify Air is fabulous. Love this company. Uh, they, they make very reasonably priced uh, units. Um, uh, Hypo Air is also a great brand. Uh, they make some, um, some very strong products as well. My favorite brand uh, in terms of the product itself is IQ Air's Health Pro Plus. Um, I've had some issues with the company lately. Uh, they, they cut off all their distributors without any, they just cut them off. Uh, they built the company on distributors and then they just ended all the distrib- distribution. So I, well, I that's don't, charming. I, it's a, it's a, it's, <laughs> and I, and I really love the company. I did extreme makeover home edition with them twice. Uh, and I really loved the yeah. family that was the founding family, but uh, they've, they've gone in a different direction. So um, any, in any case uh, you had questions about the test kit. Um, so yes, let's talk about the test kit. So uh, the test kit uses um, a, a method known as spore traps. Spore traps are the most common form of air sampling done by professionals uses these are the cassettes okay sorry to people who are listening it looks like one of those little sample containers you might get of um a face cream or something about an inch and a half <laughs> in diameter yeah uh, an inch and a quarter yeah. high circular it's got a, 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 a yes. port for air to go in and port for air to go out and the when the yeah. air goes in it gets drawn through well let me back up so if you want to have your house tested by a professional you will hire somebody that will come over, presumably do a physical inspection, identify the areas where they want to collect air samples. They'll pull out an air sampling pump, which which is generally put on a tripod and it's a thousand dollar calibrated instrument. These cassettes interface with that pump. They'll run it for five minutes in most cases uh, and then ship it to the lab. What happens is the air goes through the cassette and then there's a little adhesive slide inside that captures the microscopic particles that are within a certain mass range, certain size range, and then the rest of the air goes through. And so we're capturing all sorts of stuff. I mean, we're capturing pollen and dander and all the stuff that's airborne, uh, keeping in mind that this is, you know, one test. This is not a silver bullet, right? Because there's lots of different mm-hmm. tests for every, whether it be a health, you know, human tests or, or yeah. building tests. This is testing for what's floating around in the ambient air. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So if there's mold growing in a wall, like we mentioned before, it may not be detected using this method. That may require more invasive tests. But as a screening method to find out what's floating around in your air, uh, this is what's most widely accepted. But the problem is you'd have to spend $1,000 or more to hire someone to come over and take those samples, right? And then you have to rely on them to interpret the data. And you also have to trust they're going to interpret that data in a way that's both accurate and also not attached to some other product or service that they have to sell you. That is very difficult to find. Is it truly ethical person who's going to come over and gather data and not use it as a way to generate more revenue. And by the way, watch out for the free inspections the most because someone's got to get paid sometime, right? 
Oh, yeah. And, and so that's, <laughs> and so really we created the do it yourself. We created this kit because of the pump jockeys, the guys that don't run around and just grab samples and don't even do an inspection and then send, send a lab report or the people who take samples and then use it to scare people into remediation they may or may not need. Or, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, this, uh, um, uh, the, the people who, who, who even worse collect their samples and don't know how to interpret the, the data. They don't even know how to guide right. the, the, the consumer through the remediation process. Um, so what we did is we created an air sampling pump that duplicates a professional air sampling pump exactly, um, but we make it for a fraction of the cost of, of a thousand dollar air sampling pump and our cassettes fit right on there, right? It pulls in exactly the same airflow rate um, and, you know, you do side by sides and, and, and they will they will look very similar. Um, the uh, the way it works is we have a, uh, we provide you with enough cassettes to test um, up to three rooms. So you can either choose a one, two or three room kit. Uh, once you yeah. collect the samples and we provide other resources too. So in other words, uh, in the instructions, we, we tell you to identify areas of concern. We give you a link to an ebook we created called how to find mold that has all sorts of checklists and, and FAQs and really is an inspection guide for someone who doesn't know anything about mold. Uh, and we suggest yeah. that you do an inspection in your home using this guide and then collect the air samples. You submit them in a prepaid return mailer to our lab partner, which is the number one lab in the country, MLAB PNK. So you can rest assured the results are the same you would get from a high-end professional consultant. Uh, and once at the yeah. lab, uh, you'll get results within two business days. The pricing is, that, is such that we put all of the shipping and lab fees in to one price so that there's no a la carte nonsense. There's no surprise fees or hidden charges. So it's $149 for one room, uh, $199 for two, and $249 for three rooms. But when you, when you get a kit, you get to keep the pump. You can also share it with a friend if you want, and they can reorder yeah. supplies. And so then the first one, the next one room kit is only $99. It's $50 less. Uh, so it's $99, $149 for two rooms and uh, $199 for three rooms. Um, so it's a so much you're just buying the cassettes at that point. That's right. Uh, and, and, and again, all the lab fees are baked in, all the shipping fees both ways are baked in so there's never you you will only pull out your 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 uh, you only hit apple pay once is your service available for canadians too or is it just us not right yet. now not yet but we're getting there okay. um actually we we're very excited to announce that our lab got acquired by the biggest lab in the world uh shortly after we we secured our deal with them which happens to have uh, 900 locations in 50 countries including canada uh so our wow. next expansion will be into you know our northerly uh neighbor um, there's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're really excited about it. And the thing that that's fun about it is, uh, that most of the time people, you know, we got calls, especially when we were, when we were, you know, doing a, a lot of national press, we got calls from every single state in the country. And most of the people who mm -hmm. called us couldn't afford us. Yeah. Um, and, and many of them are renters, uh, on a budget. And, and I, and I, and I couldn't help but think that this was haves and have nots and in the most deplorable mm -hmm. way, a healthy indoor air should not be cost prohibitive period. Yeah. Right. This is a fun, this is mm -hmm. a basic human need. Uh, and, and we should not have, there should not be an insurmountable cost associated with that. And that's why we created this. It was, it was to take the ethics and unethical component out of the equation. Mm -hmm. So the consumers could, yeah. could, could just get a gut check, you know, and, and, yeah. am I worried about this yeah. for no reason? Or do I have something that I need to invest more time and attention and energy in? And that's the, the, the driving force behind the test kit. Uh, and so also on our website, you'll go, you'll see we have a learning center. We're building out a tremendous amount, putting online courses there um, and uh, for free in partnership with a, a university that I, that I will not mention yet. 
and so the idea here is really to create a, a place for people to get reliable information about a very scary mm-hmm. and controversial subject, but in a, in a no nonsense kind of a way. And so more of an education company, I think, is what we're turning into that happens to sell the products that we use to, to measure and detect these things. I love it. I I think it's great. I mean, I think it's also admirable how you've kind of separated yourself a little bit from selling the solution, because to your point, just as you want the diagnostics to be done by someone who doesn't have a vested interest in finding a problem, which happens too often, right? Like I have my furnace company right now has been chasing me down for months. They want to come in and do a free electrical and plumbing inspection. And I'm like, really? I can't imagine why you would want to give me that for free. <laughs> That's so nice. And, you know, maybe there's a, you know, I mean, it's kind of nice, but I, there's an ulterior motive. Anyway, you've clearly really put yourself in a position of education and communication and just and providing a solution that is way more accessible, at least to diagnosing the problem. I mean, in terms of solving it. There's going to be a cost to that, but hopefully people can figure out ways around it. And I would say that, you know, of, we spend money on so many things and um, making that, inv- this is like an investment in your health and your longevity. And we, in our space, we talk about that a lot. And would you, maybe it is worth putting off that vacation for six months or a year and instead making the infrastructure investment in the place where you spend the most amount of time. No doubt about to it. To buy the right, filter, the right filters and the right, you know, you know, pull out a wall or whatever the case may be. And, you know, the tricky thing with water is it travels, right? So where you find the puddle is not often where the water's coming in. And that's where I'm sure things get, you know, things start to go sideways and get expensive real fast. And the sad part is, is that you really oftentimes can't get away without hiring a professional. So like this is yeah. the, the reality of it is I, I, I've been trying to figure out a way to get around that. And then, by the way, many of the chemicals and the, the buzzers and gadgets and, 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 and sprays and fogs, all the things that I rail against all the time are mm-hmm. developed by people who very in a very well-intended way are trying to solve that problem, which is that there's, there isn't a, a, a cost-effective uh, DIY yeah. kind of a thing uh, for remediation. Uh, there just isn't yeah. uh, because it takes yeah. too much, you, too much experience, too much training, too much equipment to do it in a way that's safe for the people that live in the building. Um, and so there, yeah. so that's, yeah. Thank you for, for recognizing that, that we, you know, we anchor ourselves very firmly on this one side. Um, and you know what we're what I'm gratified to see though is that we're not alone, and the industry is starting to you know emerge and mature. The internet's hopefully going to mature too. But you know we're we're in a nascent industry that will eventually settle out, and you'll see that the cream rises to the top. Um, and and, yeah. and and eventually, it's just right now it's very frustrating because the resources are scant uh, nationwide yeah. for for these kinds of resources uh, for these these kinds of services. So uh, we we just hope to be useful. So we created a welcome page, by the way, for your listeners. Um, that, uh, that, uh, uh, that we're excited to share. Uh, so any, anyone who, uh, who would like to learn more about, uh, what we're doing at GotMold, um, you can go to, uh, gotmold.com slash BSP, which is, uh, stands for biohacking, super human performance. Um, and, uh, and there you will find a, uh, a, a link to the ebook that I mentioned, how to find mold. Uh, it's 45 pages, uh, there's, we get a lot of really positive uh, feedback on, on that one piece alone. Um, and also there is a coupon code and a link to 
to our uh, website, to our shop page actually uh, for the test kit. So you can get a 10% discount. Uh, you could also, if you wanted to just go to gotmold.com, you could also just use the coupon code NAT10, N-A-T-10 for a 10% discount on, on any of our test kits uh, and refills, although you'd want to buy a test kit first. Yeah, buy the test kit first and then buy the refills or buy extra. Like I'm sitting here counting, I'm going to want one, two, three, I'm going to need extras. <laughs> so anyway, Jason, this has been amazing. I'm, I feel like we could just keep talking for a long time, but um, maybe we just have to plan another episode on another day with some that. more of those fun topics. So thank you so much for your time today and for all the work that you're doing. I think it's so important. And it's as to your point, it's so overlooked by so many people. And thank you for your work too. And you, you do great work. I was, I was very excited to, to join you for this show. I've heard a lot of wonderful things about you. And, uh, and of course you don't disappoint. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly or if you'd like to leave any comments or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.